You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You know how much this little stunt of yours is going to cost this city? I don't think cost is the issue here, sir. I think the issue should be my blatant disregard for proper procedure. You damn right, wise ass. The mayor called the chief, the chief called the deputy chief, the deputy chief just chewed my ass out. You see, I don't have any bit of it left, don't you? No more of these setups, you understand? You're a good cop. You got great potential, but you don't know every thing. And I'm tired of taking the heat for your ass. One more time, you're out on the street. Do you understand me? Boss, let me tell you. Do you understand me? Boss, the chief ain't true at all out. You still got a little ass there. Don't f*** with me, Axel. That's right. We have a a heavyweight, a heavyweight (laughs) title contender in Action Movie Rewind today, an all-time classic. We will review on the Mackie and Judd show today, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Judd's keys to... a second consecutive Vikings victory over a divisional opponent. That's right. Judd's Keys waiting in the green room right now. Quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated here for you business owners and also here on Twitter. Slinging the fresh, relevant risk management content at Federated INS on Twitter. That's at Federated INS. So give them a follow. So um, if you're a business owner, and you're looking for just more peace of mind, frontline protection, and over a century of experience in a company like Federated putting business owners first, well, you should go to federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of trusted resources and industries that they protect. And remember, at Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Gentlemen, welcome into the show. It's Mackie and Judd here on this Friday. And we're going to get to Judd's Keys. We're going to get to Action Movie Rewind. We're going to talk to our friend Patrick Royce. But uh, we can't ignore the huge, big breaking news on this Friday morning. I thought we weren't going here. The country. I thought we weren't going to do this. I thought we were staying away from this on purpose. Oh, wow. Why would we stay away from Alex Cora? Is the new manager oh! of the Boston Red Sox. He won Boston. <laughs> Alex Cora just took Boston. I'm calling it for him. Okay, can we take a moment? So so Major League Baseball, bravo this week. Good so, Lord. so Major League Baseball, on election night on Tuesday, God. and on the day that the NFL also has its trade deadline, it wasn't very active, but still, like it's the NFL trade deadline, baseball says, yes, one of our big off-season awards, baby. We're going to celebrate the gold glove. Judd and like Rob Manfred and Trevor Plouffe were the only three people watching that show. <laughs> we all enjoyed it. And then, and then Friday rolls around, and everyone's waking up to uh, an even tighter president. As we record this, uh, a couple outlets have called it for Joe Biden, but there's, but like CNN hasn't. Uh, I don't think Fox News has called it. But I'm looking through my timeline, and it's like political, political, political news, news, news. And all of a sudden, John Heyman, MLB insider for MLB.com, jumps in, breaking Red Sox to bring Alex Cora <laughs> back 
the, the tainted, stained Alex Cora, who was suspended and fired for helping the Red Sox cheat their way to a World Series a couple of years ago. Genius. He's back. Is it a Mount Rushmore of sports news it's dump? It's a genius news dump because you bring <laughs> back a guy who cheated, who, by the way, you fired. You bring him back and and in, in Boston, right? So this, in ordinary times, would be a huge deal and a huge press conference, and you keep it as below the radar as possible. Now, here's my question. Is today, today about 3 o'clock or, or so, are we going to get the news that the Reds have hired Pete Rose as their third <laughs> base coach? This is the time to bring Charlie Hustle back to baseball. Yeah, if you've got any sort of skeletons in the closet or any news that you want to sweep under the rug, baseball, let's just let's keep it rolling here. Let's now's keep it rolling. Time. It's amazing. So, hey, um, for, Former twin Sam Fold was apparently the runner-up. Yeah, Sam Fold. I guess he's like an, anal- he's like an analytics translator darling. Okay, so I don't know what other roles he's held, but Ooh, I, I like, tre- Trevor Ploof was tweeting about. I like this. that title. That he can like take what the front office, the language that the front offices are speaking, and then yeah, the language that like twenty year old baseball players are speaking, and he can translate. Them. I like that. That's oh. a great title. So Sam Fold, that's the, a business so card The Twins title. traded for Sam Fold and then traded him back, back. to the A's in the same season, right? Yes, amazing. <laughs> for Tommy Malone, I believe they got him. Yeah, Tommy Malone back. And then I forget who they traded to get him, but it was after like the first week of the season. And he had a great year or a great three month run. He batted like two eighty. I was down a Sam, I was on a Sam Fold rabbit hole last night after I saw his name pop up on my Twitter because I hadn't heard his name in six he years. He was gritty, right? Yeah. Oh man, he was gritty, dirty, got dirty, wasn't afraid to uh, hustle. Well, we did. I think last year on the show we did a pecking order the uh, the top ten most gritty Minnesota. No, we did a gritty sports athletes uh, Minnesota athletes bracket in yeah. March a couple years ago. And I don't think Sam Fold was discussed he did not. in the bracket, but maybe but, he should have been. But in 53 games, slash 274, 370, and 354. Amazing. Look and he was that. smart. It turns out he was very smart. Very smart. So that's your big breaking news. <laughs> Major League Baseball just sneaking in, sneaking in under the radar. What with is news next? Dump. That is the question. What is next? <laughs> They're going to get something else in now. And real quick, by the way, just one more parting shot for Rob Manfred. So you had one of the biggest, if not the biggest, cheating scandal in baseball history. And I know that we've had instances of, like, the White Sox back 100 years ago that were throwing games. You literally had a team that put together a multi-year, complicated, uh, sign-stealing scheme yes. that helps identify what some of the best pitchers in the world are going to throw you. Like, it's the biggest advantage you can possibly have. And in the end, no players at all were punished and the two managers for the Red Sox in, what, 2018 or whatever it was, and, and A.J. Hinge wind up sitting out for a pandemic year in which everyone sat out, you know, two-thirds of the year anyways. Mm-hmm. And they come back and get paid millions to rejoin the fray in 2021. And the only guy, so I believe the only significant player who is not back in baseball then is the Astros GM, correct? He got fired, too, and I yeah. think he's the only. Jeff o- Luno, right? Yes, and I think yeah. he's the only significant name now. Who has not gotten a job? Amazing. Oh yeah, it's the it's the greatest baseball thing of all time. So anyhow, is Judd's keys ready? Um, hold on, I'll go find him. He he's been him and Stella this tied week, up election. He's been watching election he's been coverage. Watching a lot yeah. of election. He's been raging. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with him. Well, every Friday on the show, uh, Mackie and Judd. Not only our podcast, Apple, Spotify, Scornout.com, also. Uh, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash scorenorthmn and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. Judd's Keys comes out to give us the Turn four off things. the Fox News and get in here with those keys. He loves Fox News. Love. He's just so upset about that Arizona thing on Tuesday. Called it early. Yeah, he was very, very upset. Keys was. <clears throat> 
he did a few so years he, after he was that. an that in-person was voter then i'm guessing uh, election day voter not oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh sure. no 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 keys don't put nothing in the mail he don't trust the mail <laughs> so he what don't trust the mailman so what does keys think about the vikings chances against the detroit all right. lions all right keys thank you very much <clears throat> four keys <laughs> i'm looking at four keys for a Vikings win, the keys to a Vikings win on Sunday against the Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium. Key number four, we will work our way up as we always do. Chasing the game. Matthew Stafford is on the COVID-19 list. He's eligible to come off that list on Sunday, so he could be flown here in a private plane, but there's no guarantee. And if he does not start, that puts yes, Chase Daniel that Chase Daniel in line to make the start against the Vikings. And now you're saying to yourself, hold on a second, Judd, that name and Keys, that name rings a bell. Why Why does that name ring a bell? Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel. Where yeah. did I see him last? You saw him last, I believe it was last September, beating the Vikings, uh, replacing Mitch Trubisky, who got hurt at Soldier Field. Oof. He has only made, get this, he has only made five career starts in 10 seasons chasing the game. Is the fourth key? Yeah, he's like of all the backup quarterbacks that you would uh, mostly just dismiss, right? There's probably two or three that the Vikings have actually been haunted by. We said that Matt Moore. He's one of them. Matt Moore yeah. last season. And there's probably a couple others. In general, I trust Mike Zimmer against inexperienced or backup quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, that was ugly last year. So what's the word now that Matt Stafford? He's probably going to play, right? Yeah. There's, he yes he he is still I I believe the last w- word is that the Lions won't talk about it but Stafford's wife continues to tweet that he is testing negative okay so he's not sick okay he's good all right key number three key number three oh keys did you, really okay <clears throat> I just read these it's been a good run Adrian Peterson will return to U.S. <laughs> Bank Stadium on Sunday and wow. he has become the Rolling Stones of the National Football League okay. He is 35. He is coming off a seven-yard rushing day on five attempts against the Colts. He hasn't rushed for more than 75 yards in a game since he went for 93 in week one against the Bears. You know he's going for a hundo in this one. He is now on his fourth team. This is what what we feared would happen. Adrian Peterson, as a Lion, completes the cycle of don't do this, but he won't stop partially probably because of payday and partially because he thinks he just continues to think he can chase the all time rushing record, which is ridiculous. Uh, But it's been a great run. You're a hall of fame player. I don't think he's going to do much. I think he's cooked. I think he's done. He's motivated though. They have, well, so is Griffin, but I don't don't want to step on your other keys. A couple motivated old guys that might have one last Kobe against the jazz game left in them. I'm just saying, you don't want to dismiss these guys. It is sad though, right? I don't find like it. As, I don't this, find it as sad as you do. I mean, for if a the guy, guy that's great at playing, one time, I'm able to block it out. Like, I can't block it out. I know that when you think of Willie Mays, you think of him falling down in the outfield. Peyton when you Manning. think of Peyton Manning, he won a Super Bowl, but the ball was fluttering through the air like I threw it. Yeah, and I don't like. I think about yeah, okay, yeah, those guys definitely fell off a cliff at the end, but it doesn't take away from watching them for 15 years. And Adrian Peterson, see, it does for me. That's what's weird. When I think of Adrian Peterson, I'm not going to think of oh, what about that weird year in Detroit? I'm going to think. Him running for almost 300 yards against the Chargers in 2007. I'll think of a guy that had the inability to preserve his greatness, in my opinion, because he because his greatness was so great. Actually, real quick, let me just because I know Adrian probably has the all time 
rushing leaderboard as his homepage and his home screen on his 100, phone. 100% right? he does, Phil. He loves, and he, he talked about this like in his first, second, third year in the NFL. He had, you know, Barry Sanders. Like he had these guys that he wanted to catch. And Emmett Smith, obviously, the all time leader. Yes. So Adrian Peterson right now is fifth on the all time rushing list. He passed Curtis Martin, I think, last year. He passed, no, he might have passed him this year. But he's, but he's top five now, all time rushing. So uh, he needs to catch Barry Sanders. He needs like 650 yards to become fourth all time. Where's Frank Gore on this list now? Frank Gore's third. <laughs> this is the greatest. I think Frank Gore's doing the same thing Peterson's doing, just three and a half yards. You yeah. know. Oh, he's a jet. He's a jet. Yeah. It's almost worse than being a lion. So Adrian is 1,100 yards behind Frank Gore. Yep. And he is 2,200 yards behind Walter Payton. I don't think he's going to be able to get 2,200 yards the rest of his career. No. But in Adrian's mind, so you say he's tainting his legacy. In Adrian's mind, he's thinking, well, if I can get to third on the all-time rushing list and it takes me five years of just like grinding out team by team, then at least I'll be looked at as a top three all-time yardage rusher. And that's not and, – and look, if, if he was just always a solid, really good player, I'd say fine. The problem is his peak greatness was so great that this to me – now trying to watch him takes away from that. But that's just me, too. So, All right, key number two. Key number two for a Vikings victory over the Detroit Lions on Sunday. <laughs> You're going to like this one. In fact, I wrote this two days ago before Zim, or I believe on the day that Zim called this guy. He was a good player. Rush for revenge. Rush for revenge. Everson Griffin makes his Lions debut on Sunday. He he was traded, I believe it was last week, um, after a disappointing stint with the terrible Dallas Cowboys. He was traded to Detroit, and he will be out for revenge. I actually fear him more than I do Peterson, because I think that there's far more left in this gas tank. But but the story that we then saw, of course, yesterday was at a press conference. I believe it was his introductory press conference in Detroit at which Griffin basically, time and time again, without being prompted, brought up the fact that on Wednesday, when asked about his former player, Zim called him a good player and not a great player. Let's let's play the, as we got this here, right? Yep. I miss guys. I miss Harrison. I miss Anthony. I miss EK. I miss, I miss Zimmer. So when Zimmer said that about that, I'm a good player, all right. We're going to see who's a good player on Sunday. All right. That's what I got for him. Then I be looking. I'm just a good player. All right. He got a good player coming his way. He, he got it. Okay. He's going to see on Sunday what he got coming for him. But you gonna, they're going to put some respect on my name. He's going to put respect on my name. That's all I'm saying. Like, he, he, just, he just wasn't a good coach to me. He was a great coach. He, he, he helped me improve. He helped me grow. So I, 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 I don't ever talk bad about people. So for him to call me a good player, all right. I got something for him on Sunday. You know what's, what's amazing? <clears throat> By the way, I, 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 I appreciate the fine art of athletes and coaches finding any little thing as whiteboard material. Yes. Agreed. And Mike Zimmer, I didn't. I just saw the quote. I didn't hear the like the the way that he said it. But Mike Zimmer earlier in the week said, "Yeah, Everson Everson was a good player for us, mm-hmm. and uh, I wish him the best. I just don't want him to play well." Mike Zimmer probably. Thinks very highly of Everson Griffin, and he doesn't praise. And thought that he was complimenting, him. and he really doesn't praise a ton. <laughs> Like, no. like Mike d- does not praise guys. Like he'll he will throw throw out bouquets at certain guys, but he doesn't go around basically on a weekly basis being like we that guy played for us and he belongs in Canton. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. This is here. Here's the the thing that I find most unusual about this is 
Griffin is always going. So, like, he's the one guy to me that I wouldn't think would have to do this to actually pump himself up, but clearly he thinks he does. He's looking for just looking for a little extra, little extra juice in this game. And key number one to a Vikings win over the Lions. I put him on at least two sacks, by the way, on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, won't, write that down? I won't deny that. I did write that down. That's exactly right. All right, key number one. This is a good lesson for America right here, this headline. This is something we all should adopt, and this is something we all should do. And that, been, that if the Vikings if the Vikings are up 7 nothing in the first quarter, we want them to stop the count. Stop the but count. if they're down, keep, keep counting, keep counting. But if they're up, stop the count. Stop. No, no, no. This is like a lesson. Should have stopped the count before the fourth quarter of the 1998 NFC Championship There's a game. lot of jokes there, Phil. There's a lot of jokes there. No, this is a lesson for uh, man, woman, child. I don't care who you are. Key number one, Vikings, Lions. Stay grounded. Stay grounded. Don't don't get out of your your comfort zone. Don't get don't do something dumb because you know what Zim is going to do and Kubiak is going to do and the Vikings and we saw this on Sunday in Green Bay and it worked. So do it again and I'm sure that they will try. Stay grounded. Kirk Cousins uh, 14 passes against the Packers. Dalvin Cook in that game absolutely marvelous. That was and granted that the um, uh, the weather played a factor, but that was the ideal Zim game plan, staying grounded, which I think the Vikings, as long as Cook is healthy, and that's that's an if, but as long as Dalvin Cook can basically have about 30 to 32 touches per game, the Vikings are going to stay grounded. And, and the reason why that is just a completely unsustainable formula is because if Dalvin Cook does indeed touch the ball 30 to 33 times per game, yes. he will not be playing this is all of the football games this season. <laughs> this is correct. He might touch the ball 20 times and still have injury problems. But I can guarantee you if you give him the ball again 32 times that he probably won't be playing games in December. And then the other reason it's unsustainable is because at some point, maybe even starting this week, Teams are just going to put the ball back in Kirk's hands and say, yes. "All right, dude. Yes, they are. If, if we're going to pick our poison here, we'd rather we'd rather it be Kirk." And to Kirk's credit, like I rarely give Kirk credit, but Kirk is able to leverage the threat of running and play action. And if the ball is in his hand against a mediocre opponent, he's one of the guys that could light up for three fifty and three touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson goes off for a big game. So that that actually. We'll get to we'll get to some of the deeper dives into in our uh, purple daily discussions on our other podcast, but I think there's a chance the threat even of Dalvin Cook and the and just the want to make sure he doesn't run for 200 yards could open the door for a big Kirk Cousins game. 2008, baby, 2008. It's going to be the same exact thing. The problem with Kirk is he he can throw for three touchdowns. He he can have a great game, and then. The way things have gone in 2020, he can also throw three picks. So we shall so, see. But stay grounded, damn it. <laughs> so those are Judd's keys to a Vikings victory over the Detroit Everson. Lions. I love the fact he's all pumped up for this one, you guys. This is the greatest ever. Hey, Lions are some, Lions some respect are on my name. <laughs> I love that run. I love that one. Put fighting. some respect. He called him a good player. You would have thought that Zim called him a run-of-the-mill journeyman piece of crap. <laughs> uh, so, by the way, uh, Vikings vent line, remember, after every Vikings game finishes up, including this one against the Lions on Sunday, we are diving in and dissecting it and also bringing Vikings fans into the show with us. And you can find that show now on our YouTube page, live right after Vikings games are over, youtube.com slash purple 
Daily Podcast. And uh, and if you want to be part of the show, Declan is the wizard behind the scenes that uh, that that takes in all the different uh, requests and and makes makes sure that you're not going to get us in trouble and like swear and well, you know be naked and while stuff, drinking but. too. Yeah, that, I, that's what's so impressive. I just sit on the left of the screen and I'm just there drinking seltzers, <laughs> Corona Hard just Seltzer, it's, Declan producing. It's out. very it is impressive. But you can I'm email VikingsVentline at gmail dot com if you want to be part of the show. So check us out. All right, banana in your tailpipe. How could you not notice a man sticking a banana in your tailpipe? Well, he distracted us, sir. And how did he do that? Well, he sent us a late supper, sir. See, this waiter comes over. Billy, a late supper. And what did you have, Rosewood? <laughs> uh, I think it was a shrimp salad sandwich, sir. A shrimp salad sandwich? Yes, sir. I want you two to go back to the hotel and wait for Foley to show up. And if you lose him again, don't bother calling in. You got that? Yes, sir. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! yippee mother... I need $5,000, not $2,000 thing, man. Don't do this to me. Look, don't be unreasonable. You're not dealing with Johnny Bananas. Come on, yeah. No, I, I, I know I ain't dealing with Johnny Bananas, but can I have my money? No, look, can I say it slow for you? Look, I need $5,000. Read my lips. $5,000 is what I need. I can't look, do nothing with that. I, I don't got, smoke I like a strike. Like I smoke king size can't. I can't make a price. <laughs> <in my head. laughs> All right. Welcome in, everybody. To one of our favorite segments every single week. Action Movie Rewind with Mackie and Judd. I believe we are 32 movies into our venture. We deviated last week as we're going to do once in a while with a horror movie for Halloween week. The original Halloween. And Halloween was a 10 across the board for all of us. Becoming the second perfect 10 score in the history of Action Movie Rewind. Die Hard and Halloween. And I will be curious. I'll just foreshadow here. I think this movie... Could get some perfect score consideration, but we'll we'll get to the end of. Oh, that's a bold statement to start the discussion. I'm just gonna say. All right, okay, okay. We'll see where you're going. Beverly Hills Cop, 1984. Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinhold, John Ashton, and uh, you had a couple other like random cameos in this one. Paul Reiser played a role in this movie. I believe it was was it Damon Wayans. I think was in this movie. The bananas. Yes, he handed the he two handed bananas. the, the man, bananas to uh, Axel. <clears throat> All right, we'll dive into the the full mm. deep one here. But uh, here's the summary: After his childhood buddy is murdered while visiting Detroit, rebellious cop Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy, follows the leads to Beverly Hills, California, under the auspicious I'm sorry, uh, uh, under the auspices is that how that word is pronounced of a vacation. Yes. He checks in with old friend Jenny Summers and starts to believe her boss, <laughs> oh, yeah. art dealer Victor Maitland. Oh, good might... bad guy, by the way. I mean, I'm going to say it right now. Oh, yes, the accent and everything. Good bad guy. Flow. He might somehow be involved in the murder. However, Lieutenant Bogomil of the Beverly Hills Police Department does not trust Axel Foley and hinders his search for evidence. 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, a $13 million budget. Turned into three hundred sixteen million dollars. Thirteen million at the box office. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah, we'll wow. get to some amazing facts about the what this movie was maybe I'm, going to become. But let's start with Judd Zilgay. What was your key takeaway from Beverly Hills Cop? All right. So my key, my I've got a few, but my key one that I will give you right now is very simple. It's really, really clear that some smart people went and saw. 48 hours 
and said, this is a really good idea. It's a little bit dark. It's missing some seasoning. It's missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a little bit dark. Um, it's a little too racist in some ways unnecessarily. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the same character, basically, make him a cop so he starts as a good guy instead of being in prison. And we're going to, to, to a large degree, Disneyify it, but it's going to be good. So my takeaway is is that what they originally had with Nolte and Murphy, mm-hmm. they basically said, let's give him a goofier guy in Judge to play off of, and let's make this a little bit more of a bright film. Let's have the chases be probably a little bit more fun. And we're gonna we're going to take it and not strip it of all character, but it's going to be more of a Disney film than than a you know hardcore cop film. And for the time, it was really damn brilliant. Yeah. I'm gonna give him credit. It was really good. I mean, it blew up. And so just for context, Eddie Murphy, his his first ever cinematic feature was forty eight hours. So he had come off of I think he joined SNL in the late seventies. Yeah, the second cast. Okay. So he was like like 77, 8, somewhere in there. 80-ish, I think, actually. So 1980. Okay. Yeah. And then, so 48 Hours comes out in 1982. Yep. And then Trading Places in 1983. <laughs> and then Beverly Hills Cop was either his third or third. He also was in a Best Defense, which I've never seen. But Beverly Hills Cop was like one of his first three or four movies mm-hmm. he ever filmed. And between Trading Places, 48 Hours, and, and Beverly Hills Cop, he, in a two-year span, became one of the, if not the most popular actors in the entire world. With a laugh. Yeah. Oh, the, the signature laugh, the man. Laugh. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Declan, your main takeaway from... Now, you've seen this before, right? No. Oh, this is your first time. First time seeing Oh, it. my goodness. Yep. Young, man. Yeah. Right. 27. Um, I, I, yeah, I, my main takeaway was watching just, like, peak Eddie Murphy. Because, I, I mean, I've, I've seen SNL skits with them. I've obviously seen 48 Hours. But just watching Eddie Murphy work, and also at, uh, from a producer side, you know, we like to pull clips. Very difficult movie to pull clips from, not because <laughs> there aren't great scenes, but because about every sixth word is an F-bomb. Mm-hmm. See this? I can describe all of them. Please move to the side of the car and put your hands on the hood. Why? What's what you got? You heard what he said, sir. Do it right now, please. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> is this? Hey, hold up. Wait a second. You guys are arresting me for getting thrown out of a the window? I got thrown out of a window, man. Gun partner. Sir, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present during questioning. Yeah, I understand. I understand the rights. I know this is don't man. I got thrown out of a window. Please get in the car, sir. Yeah, but tell me, sir, what's the charge? Possession of a concealed weapon disturbing the peace. Disturbing the peace? I got thrown out of a window. What's the <laughs> charge for getting pushed out of a moving car, huh? Jaywalking? So, in that 42-second <laughs> clip, I think I counted five F-bombs. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, I love, I personally love that kind of style of, of, of acting. So I thought that was great. But yeah, just Eddie Murphy doing his thing. And, and he was phenomenal through this movie. Yeah, I, well, I'll piggyback off that. My main takeaway from this movie is that there, there was a run of buddy cop movies. Mm-hmm. 48 Hours might have been around the beginning of the buddy cop run. There might have been some in the 70s. And some were serious and some were kind of funny, right? And it goes all the way through in the night. We did Bad Boys on Action Movie Rewind. Like there's this long run of buddy cop movies. My main takeaway is that Axel Foley is the greatest buddy cop movie character oh. of that run. Okay. And there's some wow. great ones. I mean, Lethal Weapon. Right. Turner and Hooch. I don't know if you'd put them. Put I don't think I've there, ever but... seen that one. 
Maybe we should put Turner. I'm pretty and Hooch. sure I've not seen. If Turner we're still doing action movie rewind in like two years, we'll, we'll get to put Turner. Turner and Hooch? Okay, <laughs> that'll be fair. But like, just all the different things that he does in this movie, like the little lines, uh, like when he so he meets his friend Jenny, for instance, and they were high school, they grew up together, and and she comes out and immediately he starts hitting on her, and like oh. she turns around and he goes, "I can't believe how you filled out." Yeah. <laughs> like just like he gets away with saying stuff. Um, I think the way that his character interacts in a playful way with with Taggart and Rosewood ordering the uh, ordering the the room service and to their car too which works perfectly yes. right yes yes cuz they're just dummies yeah so i just i think his character is awesome i love how they like they tee him up and he's he definitely he's this like comedic foil but then there's that scene in the was it the strip club where the two guys come in with firearms yes and he gets really serious and he's like no bs and so you got you got both sides of his character. He's super funny and he's and he's wacky and he's irresponsible. But then he's like an unbelievably good cop too, and he's got a sense. Great so instinct. I just love his character. I think he's great, and I think Eddie Murphy just knocks it out of the ballpark. And it's one of the most iconic characters in in action movie history. Uh, uh, Axel Foley. Joe, what was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part because it set the it set the tone basically for. The year, in some ways, my favorite part is going to sound weird, but it was the soundtrack. Oh yeah, not because not because I love not because I love the songs, but because go through that entire list. It's a great song. And and if you if you want to use the word iconic, you definitely can. Like that soundtrack down to Axel F, which is the name of the of the tune that plays constantly throughout. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that soundtrack was huge. I mean, the movie starts with, so Glenn Fry had broken off from the Eagles and goes into his solo career. And the movie starts with probably Glenn Fry's biggest solo hit, right? The Heat is on. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it, it really captures 1984. 100%. In the city, right? Yes. Uh, you also had Shalimar was on this, Patti LaBelle, like all these just late 70s, early 80s powerhouses, the Pointer Sisters, uh, Glenn Fry, another Patty LaBelle, and then yeah, Axel F. Is Axel the, F. is the dun 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 dun. We actually yeah. we go back to back with Halloween and with uh, and with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, two of the most iconic. Uh, what's the, uh, instrumental? I guess theme songs where there's no lyrics. It's just yeah, like right. it's like I, just iconic tunes and instrumentals. Dax, what was your favorite part of Beverly Hills Cop? Well, I mean, I, I was a very big fan of Jenny. Jenny Summers. In this oh, movie. really? I was. Smitten. Dex is Smitten. The, uh, and she's whom? She's who, uh, who Lisa she? Allabacher. Lisa Allabacher. I, I, I looked her up on her. IMDb, and I'm looking at her now. I, I've never seen her in any other, other movies, to be honest. Uh, but no, she, she's got that 1980 uh, Mariah Carey hair that I'm a, a big fan of. Wow, Dex is smitten. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. Uh, Dex didn't live then, and so now he's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a lot going for it. Hairspray. Okay, so she was uh, she was more of a TV actress, it looks like, but she wasn't. Yeah, she, she was only in like 11 or 12 movies. Um, Boy, these are all like, she was in two movies in the 70s. She's pretty good, I thought. An Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, Officer and Gentleman was classic. She, she was really in 10 to Midnight. Where we belong. Never Say Die. <laughs> With Eagles. Sorry. What? Uh, uh, the Last Samurai. Oh, know. okay. I'm not familiar. I've seen that one. Um, bunch. She was on an episode of Bonanza in 1972. There you go. Oh, that's Are you serious? Yeah, she was like. She should be a kid. She was like, uh, she was in the Waltons once, the Brady Bunch once, Gunsmoke, Happy Days. The Brady Bunch? Who the hell was she, she in the Brady Bunch? Well, she just she would just like be on an Cameo. episode. No, I know, but I've seen them all like eight times. She played Vicky in the episode, The Subject Was Noses. Yeah. Where Marsha get, gets hit with the football? 
Maybe. Oh my nose! I don't know. I, I, I she know. gets hit by the damn football because the boys oh, are sure. throwing it around. It's not right. Um, but I, Sorry. I, I would say all just the supplemental characters in this movie were all really, really good. So I mean, I like Jenny. Obviously, <laughs> Judge Reinhold. I mean, Dude, Detective Billy is like I identify with because that would be me. Declan. There's so many so moments perfect. with Billy and Taggart where I'm like, if Judd was a sergeant and I was a deputy, it is so on brand, dun, dude. Dun, Put that dun, food dun, down. Dun, dun, this dun, is delicious, this chicken salad sandwich. He's at the strip club loving life. Just, I and Taggart's it. a good-hearted guy yeah. who, who tries to be, you know, a, uh, a jerk. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I actually, I actually think, ass. so to piggyback off Declan, Declan and I are Love definitely, it. we're absorbing this movie the same way, because I think my favorite part of the movie, in a dis- Axel Foley is my favorite part of the movie, sure. but but I already lauded him. I actually think Rosewood is my second favorite part of this movie. Awesome. Like, you just, yeah. you see his evolution and, you know, the because, like, they show right at the beginning of the movie, it's like these Beverly Hills police officers apparently have nothing to do except just, like, look for suspicious black people, right, <laughs> yeah. that are walking around the neighborhood. And so uh, I love the scene where they're at Victor Maitland's house, <laughs> and it's it's like Rosewood has never fired his gun before, basically, right? Yeah. Or or even like earlier, they're sitting out. He's sitting outside the warehouse, and and Axel Foley's like, "Dude, just sit here. You don't, don't want to go in there." In. Yeah, and then he sees Jenny get taken out by suspicious guys in suits, and he's just you know, any other cop would just be like, "Fire into action!" Right? And Rosewood, being a Beverly Hills police officer, doing nothing for probably ten years, is like, "Oh my god, I have to go into a warehouse and like maybe use my gun." I just loved it. I, th- I thought he was a great character. And also, um, this is a great run for him because I think the year before, he was in Fast Times at yes. Ridgemont High. Oh, right? he was, yes. which is a, just an absolute classic. classic. I love that movie. One of my favorites. So Ju- Judge Reinhold, what else? He was in a bunch of other stuff, too, but I think those oh, are probably a, yeah. his two most popular movies. And then also, um, John, another supplemental guy, Jonathan Banks. So he plays Zach. Zach is the main henchman, I believe, that kills Eddie Murphy's buddy at the beginning, and he also gets thrown in the food spread yeah. at the country yeah. club. He is, if you guys watch, have watched Breaking Bad at all. I actually haven't. Judd, have you watched Breaking no. Bad? Oh my gosh, I'm talking to people. But he's Breaking a bad bad guy. But he's a bad guy in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he is a very prominent character in Breaking Bad. Because I was looking at his face, and I'm like, God, like it looks so familiar. Because in Breaking Bad, he's bald, he's got a goatee, so he doesn't really look anything like it. But I could tell that there was some resemblance. Yeah. So yeah, he's like That's just him. a very big um uh, character in Breaking Bad and also in, in the spinoff as well. So I, I I thought that was hilarious. Okay, I, I'm glad you brought him up too because I, I feel like, yes, he did he did fire the bullet into Axel Foley's friend, but at once that happened, Mikey. is he one of the most incompetent cronies in yeah. action oh, yeah. movie history? Yeah. Yeah. He literally just like, he gets tossed into the buffet and he just basically like yeah. stares at, he looks just like stares at Victor for like direction. He's got like mushroom that guy spent, his face. I swear that, that that guy spent two decades though being a bad guy in everything. Because he's I'm got gonna, the perfect look for it. His... He's got the absolute perfect look. He does. But I think he, he was in comedies. Yeah, I think he, he was a bad guy in real films. I, I swear I saw him en- endlessly in the 70s and 80s. Hold on a second here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so full cast and crew. What was the guy's name? Mike, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Banks. So, yeah, I mean, he... he How old is he now, Dex? He's got to be... He's up there. Um <laughs> Definitely up there, but he's bald. He was born in 1947. Oh wow, he is really up there. Oh, okay, but yeah, he is. You've okay, seen bald. him a thousand times. Yeah, born in 47, so he's he's, he's mostly had good runs of television over the last decade in Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Okay, um, he's known. He was in Gremlins. He's been man. This guy's been super active even in the last five years. He's in Community. All right, let's go back to the beginning of his IMDb here. Man, this dude. Okay, this dude started in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm telling you. Two decades. Basically, wait. He was in, the same type. He of was an airplane. 
Was he? He played Gunderson in the airplane. A lot of stuff, so. Yeah. Great one too. Amazing. Okay, so he's just one of those guys that's just in it. Oh, he was in Forty Eight Hours. Stir crazy. He was in Forty Eight Hours. Yeah, he he gets shot. Okay. He he's the guy that comes the cop that comes down the stairs at the start and says, "Don't you do it, Jack? Don't you give him your gun?" <laughs> that's right. No, Jack. He's that's not. Right. It's not worth it. Amazing. And then he gets shot. All right, Jed. What was your least favorite part about Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, let me see. Let me look at my notes here. I mean, because this is difficult. I really enjoyed this. That's yeah, a good movie. Um, probably, probably because it's so cliched and it didn't need this at the very, very end where, where before they go to the credits, they do the freeze of Axel, the old school, <laughs> like he's sort of smiling and they freeze the frame completely with like an, which up, is, with like an upbeat, yes, track which is, which, which is a TV staple of back then. Yeah. But break, this, break the fourth wall. And, but yeah. this film didn't need that. It's yeah. like, no, don't, no, no, just it's done. That's fine. But it, it's like. And don't forget, it starred Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. And here's the, you know, here's the. That's what you get. Yeah. Because I, I like the film. And it, the thing about this film, too, is the flaws are fine. Like, it's got huge flaws. But do you really care? It's candy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, oh, my gosh, and now this couldn't have really happened. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I just didn't need the freeze frame. I love, well, you know what? If that's if that's your least favorite thing, that's pretty pretty right. solid. It'll be interesting to see what what score you give this. So, all right, I have one. Let me go here, and then we'll go back to Declan for your least favorite thing. My least favorite thing. I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to explain this because, like, obviously, you suspend your disbelief because it's a movie. Yeah, this movie like had a pretty good sense of like how far it was willing to stretch reality. Like we're going to, we're not going to worry about search warrants. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to disobey our police chief and all these things. Right. Which you probably wouldn't do. But the one thing that like the one thing that was just like, what is when, so Axel's buddy gets shot and killed. They're drunk and they're coming back from the bar and they're in the, the hallway of that apartment complex. Yep. And Mikey uh, Tandino. Yep, and they those and the two cronies come out, and they you know they want their bonds back, right? They want you stole our you stole our junk, whatever our bonds, right? And um, so the guy kills Mikey, and then two things stood out to me. Number one, no, so he just fires like three shots into this dude's head in the middle of an apartment complex hallway. Yep, and nobody peeks their head out. Nobody sees the suspects. Nothing like literally, it's a it's a hallway full of doors. Yeah, does everyone just? Stay in their apartment? Like, would you guys peek your head out no. and wonder what the no, gunshots are? No, I would not. Are? You wouldn't? No. Hell no. I would. I want to If know. I heard gunshots? Right. Oh, no. no. I might call the cops. I, I hear screaming in my building sometimes, and I'm just like, nope, not opening yeah. the door. And then the other thing that happens is no, not, he goes, so Axel Foley, I can't remember if he, if, if he was having this conversation with the Detroit police officers or the Beverly Hills, I think it was the Detroit police officers, and they described the murder as a professional hit. And I'm like, a professional hit. They literally walked up. There was a, there was one witness on the ground, and they walked up and they just fired three bullets into this guy's head and walked away. Like that's not a professional hit. I don't. I didn't love the way that it was set up. But that's like my only nitpick really of this movie. Okay. It's like all right, whatever. They had to find a way for Axel to like. Why is Axel even like associating himself with this weird like? He's a police officer. Yeah. And his best friend is like clearly a shady drug dealer guy. To the point where Axel has to say, like, oh, don't you know? Don't tell me how you got those bonds. I don't want to know. Think, did, Why is he even associating with this guy? But d- didn't they grow up as friends? They did. Yes. Yeah. And then Axel, I, I got the insinuation that Axel had been a troubled kid and then mm-hmm. got straight. 
And yeah. didn't so maybe turn they hadn't seen each other friend. in a while or Mikey something. Mikey Tandino, like I love that name. <laughs> Mikey, kill Mikey. Axel just feels like he's he's too smart and too well-cultured to be driving a, a car that crappy and to have friends that shady. <laughs> I think that's the point, though. I think yeah. it's supposed to be sort of fun yeah. that he's driving such a crappy right. car. Declan? Yeah, my least favorite part, I'm sorry, I do have a little bit of bone to pick with the main antagonist in this film, in Victor, Victor Mainland. I need I need more reason why a high strung high quality like art director and art influencer in the community right because that is his thing like no he he's a he's the owner of an art gallery owner of an art gallery okay so he high end expensive art that costs like one hundred fifty thousand with a lot being shipped in yeah so I I just had a little bit of a bone to pick with an art director who's You're, he's, not, he's not an art director art owner of a building <laughs> yeah. regardless though his main thing is art right? he, that maybe that's his yeah. front that's fine yeah. right. The whole smuggling bonds thing, I had an issue. Just like I, I feel like it didn't all come back in. Like I, I didn't understand the whole because he's having art shipped in as the front to have bonds and drugs shipped in. Okay, that's that's why. And he also had a very strong resemblance to Putin. He looks yeah. exactly like Putin. he does look like Putin. Not that's to say one. that's not a bad bad guy quality. That's a good one. Yeah. But I, I, I had a hard time understanding it. You put it that way, and it helps explaining a little bit more. But I, I, had a t- I had a tough time getting the fact of an owner of an art gallery who's also smuggling bonds in. I, I had a tough time grasping And cocaine. That. And cocaine. Yeah, and coffee. Yeah, he's definitely make like, that house he's living in, I don't think he's living in that house off of, like, expensive paintings. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the cocaine <laughs> is definitely what's driving it for him. Yes. And so he's probably, you know, Beverly Hills, there's probably a lot of rich people in the 80s yeah. looking for cocaine. And so <laughs> you are correct. he's their hookup. I did. I did appreciate the twist that they had when he's sitting at his desk and Axel Foley comes in and he decides, I no longer want to be talking to Axel Foley. <laughs> and he reaches into a drawer. He had the uh, what was the guy's name? Matt Lauer, who had the creepy like yes, the, button. The, the lock, to lock his, desk, his door. To lock the door. Yeah. yeah. And Victor clearly had like the a alert. security button. Yes. So he pushes the security button and five guys in suits come walking over. My question is. What are those five guys doing? So they're just in this nice office building in Beverly Hills, and they're just waiting for situations like this? Yeah, yeah. clearly. And All then, day? And then throw a dude out of a window? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that confused me. Why wouldn't you just open the door and toss him out? Yeah, like breaking the window would seem completely unnecessary, because now you have to get the glass repaired. Yeah. Right. It's your own office building. Yes. And you're just like, you know, you're uh, you're attracting unnecessary attention Correct. to yourself. Which Victor would seem to not want to do yeah he would want to seem to stay quiet i don't know if possible all right let's dive into the axel foley taggart and rosewood relationship and trio uh what what were your guys thoughts on those three guys as the core of this action movie so my thoughts on on the development of the characters around that was they took the buddy cop film and they one-upped it because taggart and rosewood are the cops and they're sort of incompetent, and they start off being sort of jerks, but then, you know, Axel wears them down over time, it seems like. But I thought it was a very interesting writing dynamic to take a third cop who was not from there, right, and throw him into the mix, and he's the comedy and the brains. Yeah. Uh, so it felt it felt like a, a sort of um, a seismic shift in, in the buddy cop philosophy, to have the third guy outside cop come in and so, sort of guide the dummies. And I will give you a movie franchise that I think stole the idea but did not do it nearly as well because it, it actually, to me, hurt the franchise. Lethal Weapon Joe Pesci. Yeah. 
because Pesci came in eventually in that franchise and became sort of the little funny guy, and I yeah. thought he was annoying at times. Like, like, like a well, that's the wrong movie. But oh, that, yeah. yeah. Well, he's the like greatest a clown or what? Like a clown. But, <laughs> but this film did a great job of, of melding together and having fun with what had been a dynamic previously and then sort of expanding yeah. it, I thought. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he convinces those guys, listen, I know you guys are assigned to follow me around, which is another bone I would pick with this movie is like, okay, you got to suspend. Why, why are they devoting two cops to following this guy? Like he's a cop too. And they just like, they have to follow him around on his vacation. There's probably other things you could be doing. I don't know. Maybe not in Beverly Hills, but I love that, you know, he, he does the, the room service order for them and the banana and the tailpipe. And then he eventually jumps in the car and he says, guys, all right, let's, Let's just go and get a drink together. Like, you have to follow me anyway, so you can either do it the hard way or we can just go to a drink. I know a very conservative place where you guys can feel comfortable, and he takes him to a strip club, <laughs> and Rosewood's, like, putting a $5 bill in oh, the gal's... Uh... That is, yeah, that is definitely <laughs> Declan right there. That is so Why Declan. Why are we always arguing, man? Look, all three of us are cops. We should be working together. We all had a very rough day today. What do you say... We all go get something to drink and make up and be friends, huh? You guys can try to follow me if you want to do that. But I lost y'all once today, which means I can do this again. So why don't you say, you know, we just go get something to drink together. Let's be friends. We don't drink on dude. Fine. All right. Listen to me. I found the perfect place. I saw it on the way over here today. It's perfect for you guys. You can go. It's very conservative and you guys will love it. Don't worry. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely great. And then just them interacting at the strip club. Yes. Is so phenomenal. Super uncomfortable. Just totally. looking around the room. Um, the other, the other hilarious interaction, just it was just between Rosewood and Taggart, is when they are they're waiting and they're staking out and they're waiting for Axel to come out of the hotel, and Rosewood is reading out of a magazine and he reads, "By the time the average man turns fifty, he has an average of five pounds of undigested red meat in his bowels," and then Taggart's like, "Why do I care?" and he goes. Well, you eat a lot of red, red meat. meat. <laughs> That's me and Jed at XL Energy Center in the press box. And the line is so great. <laughs> he's like, well, I'm just a little bit worried. Yeah. And then he, and then he, he brings up some coffee fact, and he said uh, he points out that Taggart drinks a lot of coffee and, and has a hard time relaxing. Maybe that's why you have a hard time <laughs> relaxing. It is great. <laughs> so what what was the thing back then, too? And it, it was in the um, Chuck Norris film that we did a couple weeks back, and it was in this one. What was the staple of writing in these films that had to have them go to a place that then got robbed as sort of this 14th storyline? I think it's to show, I think so you're asking like, what was the point of having those two guys try to rob right, the but I mean, it, it seems to be a consistent thing. I think they needed a couple things in the movie. This is just my amateur opinion. I think they needed a, a bonding mechanism for these three guys to trust each other and work as a team. Right. Okay. Cause like, yeah, that makes otherwise sense. how would they, so they, it starts off in there and, and they're on opposite sides and, and Taggart punches Axel Foley. Yep. And like, they're starting to come around, but they really need something to bring them together. And so that's, that's reason number one. And then reason number two is I think they needed something to show how great of a cop and how great the instincts were for Axel Foley. Mm. They needed some sort of mechanism to really show you like, all right, he's not just a goofball. This dude has a great sense for what these bad guys might be doing. Okay. And it, and it accomplished all those things. That's my theory. I don't know if you guys agree. I buy it, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, do you guys appreciate hotel robes as much as Axel Foley no. does? No, no, no. I feel like ho- I feel like at that time, hotel robes were a really big deal. Uh, I, I, I love these. I, I feel I like in 2020, do. and I might be totally wrong here, 
I feel like in 2020, they're not nearly as big of a deal as they were back then. I think they make them kind of cheap now, too. Like, like he paid 90 bucks a pop for okay. those robes, and that's... You know, that's 1984, man. Inflation, those are like $300 I'm going to make a now. statement here that, that is going to stereotype you, Phil, completely, but I think it's true. <laughs> if you like Yacht Rock, you love hotel robes. You're damn right. He loves because you things. want that era. See, you. I was there. That's I'm right. done with it. You want that era. You Ooh. want Michael McDonald in his hotel robe because you damn well know Michael McDonald wore a hotel robe. I mean, a perfect night for me on vacation oh is God. some Kenny Loggins in the background, <laughs> a cocktail over some ice, and uh, a white labeled, you know, some sort of stitched knitting on the left breast. Nice cotton robe. He, a little, little bit who, of a polyester mix. As someone yes. who's a big germaphobe, I'm surprised you like the hotel community robe. Like, I know it's being washed, but it just it does surprise me a little bit. Well, do you use the hotel towels? Sure. But the robe is like, you don't, I mean, I don't I know. Think I about feel... the places you're putting that towel and the washcloth. Mm-hmm. Dex, okay. it's and what, the sheets. It's what it signifies, Declan. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a concern about germs. It signifies an era where, where it was... Um, Yacht Rock, yeah. REO Speedwagon. Okay. I'm trying yeah, I'm to not think. Sure. I'd put REO Speedwagon in the Yacht Rock category. No, you probably it's, wouldn't, it's, it's but if they came rock. on, you're not going to turn them off. I, that's true. Well, I'm lost robes. in love <laughs> and I don't know. My... Hey, bring me the hotel robe. Boy, air supply, a robe, supply, and a cocktail. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, air supply. You've just hit on REO, my air supply. summer night I know, vacation. but that's what I'm saying. That's right. That's what I'm saying. So you guys, The have, 80s. So you guys have, ne- like, okay, let me ask you one more robe question. Because Axel winds up, like, stealing three robes and then buying two for his buddies right in my bag like five robes so you're (laughs) telling me when you're at a nice hotel all right and they've got the robes in the closet yeah you just leave the robes in the closet yep dawn likes the dawn loves it it's the first thing i do i strip down and put the robe on this is i I will say the the number one if we're if you're even asking me like the number one quality i always give to a hotel is its shower that is that is the number one thing that i can tell is this going to be a legitimate hotel room What's the bathroom and shower look like? Yeah, that's true. Because the, the bed is the bed. But the robe is the robe is the next um, thing, though. Like how classy sh- are you? Shower's yeah. great, but we're we're talking about the creme de la creme of hotels. The robe is a big deal. Okay, I don't wear it, but it's a big deal. Right. It means if you stay in a hotel that has robes, it means you are really well off. Right, you're now. classy. Like you things are, are going well. Things are going well for you in life. Uh, I love the way that he walked in and just, like, played the black guy card, too, from Rolling Stone yes. magazine. Here's the clip. Don't you think I realize what's going on here, miss? Who do you think I am, huh? Don't you think I know that if I was some hot shot from out of town that pulled inside here and you guys made a reservation mistake, I'd be the first one to get a room and I'd be upstairs relaxing right now. But I'm not some hot shot from out of town. I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson that's going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel. Excuse me, sir. It seems that we do have a... A last-minute cancellation. There is a room available. It's a suite, but uh, I'll only charge you the single room rate. Thank you. I'm sorry I got upset. It's probably from jet lag or something. I'm very tired. I understand, What's sir. the rate, anyway? Uh, that'll be $235 a night, sir. Fine. Fine. And that'll be suite 1035. Thank you very much. Michael, call. Tell him, tell him what room I'm in. <laughs> that is great. By the way, $235 a night translated to 2020 cost would be a $600 a night hotel stay. 
Pretty classy. Didn't seem to bug him too much, did it? No, it did not. Pretty classy. And he wound up not even paying for it. The Beverly Hills Police Department paid for it. Uh, Before we get to some of the interesting facts from the internet, anything else, any other questions or thoughts you guys want to throw out from Beverly Hills? Um, I love, I loved at the time, and it was uh, something that we saw in cop films in the 70s, 80s, probably into the 90s. I think they stopped doing it. When When a cop finds cocaine and dips his or her finger in said cocaine and always tries it. Got to try yeah. it. Got to try it, right? I just love it. I just love it. <laughs> it's a such point, a it's yeah. such a cliche. Yes. But but sometimes, they did sometimes it every they t- put the knife in and lick it off the knife. Yes, it just but they're depends. always licking it. They're always licking the coke. <laughs> okay, actually, these cops in Beverly Hills are they the most incompetent cops you've seen on the good guy side of a buddy cop movie? I mean, think about think hmm. about this massive. You've got this massive warehouse drug underground operation taking place in freaking Los Angeles, California, right? Like one of the biggest cities in America. And you've got this rich, influential art gallery guy who's clearly connected in the city. And he's running this massive drug ring, a murderous, massive drug ring. Yes. And the police chief and the lieutenant at the beginning and even the chief throughout the entire thing are more concerned about like, who's the black guy from Detroit? Get him out of our <laughs> the city, car. right? Yeah, Drive him that. to the city limits and drop him off. <laughs> like, he's like laying out this entire case, and they're like, nope, sorry, dude. Go back to Detroit. Sorry, not going to happen. Yeah, they, they are bad. They are bad. Is this also in the final scenes, is this the most missed bullets per good guy Oh, that's another ever? great one. Did you see Which, the again, scene? did not bug me because by that point, I just don't care. Did you see, like, they didn't, from a cinematography standpoint, they didn't do, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, um, just from a, like, a congruency standpoint. So, they're outside of Victor's house, yep. and they've got their shotguns. I think it was just uh, Rosewood and Taggart. Okay. And they're walking across the lawn, and all of a sudden, like, they cut to this guy who has a machine gun from a, some sort of perch up top. Yes. And he fires a round of shots in a line that's, like, right in front of them, right? Yes. And the bullets hit from the front. The bullets hit the side of the stairway. And so you can see. So I don't know how to explain this for the audio audience. But like I'm standing here crouching down and the staircase to my right. Bullets come from the front. Right. Yes. So this dude has a machine gun and clearly has an angle to like shoot bullets at them like face to face. And he's just missing them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. But that's okay. But there are more misses here, I, I think, possibly, than any film I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And Axel gets bad. shot. He and, does get shot. And yeah. it's like he gets bit by a mosquito. Yeah, there should have been more blood there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough blood, and by the, the end, it's like, you might want to go get that bullet checked out. <laughs> exactly. All right, so here's a couple fun facts from the internet for you guys. Unless you guys have anything else quick, any notions? No, that's my only thing. Okay. So uh, this is a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Jerry Bruckheimer, we've The Rock. We've done a bunch of Jerry Bruckheimer movies. Mm-hmm. He is the action movie king of the 80s and 90s. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer claimed that the role of Axel Foley was first offered to Mickey Rourke. Wow. Really? Rourke. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought that dude, that was way, written for Murphy. There's No, dude. There's actually way more where this came okay. from. Way forward here. Sorry. So who signed wow. a 400? He signed a $400,000 holding contract to do the film. When revisions and other preparations took longer than expected, Mickey Rourke left the project to do another film. Then, Sylvester Stallone was originally considered for the part of Axel Foley. 
Stallone gave the script a dramatic rewrite and made it into a straight action film. Of course. In one of the previous drafts written by Stallone, the character of Billy Rosewood was called Siddons, and he was killed off halfway through the script during one of the main action scenes. Stallone had renamed the lead character to Axel Cobretti. Of course, he picked some Italian. <laughs> Axel Cobretti. Yeah. Axel Cobretti, yeah. Where's Adrian? With the uh, the character of Michael Tandino, the, the best friend, being his brother, and Jenny Summers playing his love interest. Of course. Stallone had said of that course. the script for Beverly Hills Cop would have, quote, looked like the opening scene from Saving Private Ryan on the beaches of Normandy. Believe it or not, the finale was me in a stolen Lamborghini playing chicken with an oncoming freight train being driven by the ultra-slimy bad guy, end quote. However, Sly Stallone's ideas were deemed too expensive for Paramount to produce, and Stallone ultimately pulled out of the project two weeks before the filming was to start. So they were going to do this. Two weeks. So they, they were going to wow. allow him to call yeah. all the shots. Two days later. Oh, my so, gosh. So Stallone rewrites it from a fun buddy cop script. This script was originated in the 70s, and it got kind of kicked around and stuff. Um, and so it gets it's incredible two weeks before production's about to start with Sylvester Stallone. He backs out because it was going to be too expensive. Wow. And two days after he backed out, the film's producers, uh, including Bruckheimer, convinced Eddie Murphy to replace Sylvester Stallone in the film, prompting more rewrites. Besides Stallone and Rourke, other actors who were considered for the role of Axel Foley included mm-hmm. Richard Pryor. That works. Al Pacino. Old, but that's the Al Pacino. Al Pacino. <laughs> Oh, what's going on here? And James Kahn. James Kahn, all right. But that doesn't make sense. No. Can you imagine any no. of this taking place? Wait, no. I love this how, is I, shocking. I, I love how Stallone, who had already done the first Blood movie, I believe Rambo had come out before 84, right? It was like 82 yeah, or something. Yeah, I think that's right. I he basically right. just like wanted to do Rambo again from the sounds of well, this. And why would they let him? Like, like I get, oh, I get he's Stallone then, okay? So I do get that. But if you wrote this film... And approached Sly, and he came back and said, "Here's what we should do." I'd be like, "No, this is." I am shocked. I am shocked because I swore to God I would have sworn on my life that that this was Bruckheimer saw forty eight hours and said, "Let's do it different." Yeah, I really Amazing. thought that with, with Murphy. Yeah, like the fact Amazing. I I really believed because it comes off this way that this project was written for him. It does, and, doesn't it? And obviously, it was it was very clearly rewritten for him. Sure, so they, like they adjusted on the fly. Like, and I thought it. that they just said, "Let's write a film, a cop film for him." Yeah. Now, adjusted for inflation, this is the third highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Wow! Can you guess either of the other two R-rated oh, films that? that oh boy! Um, Get out! No, I have okay. no idea. It's gonna. I, I don't know. Uh, the Exorcist. Okay. And The Godfather. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. That, Two that, yes. all time classics. Sure. Okay. Love Get Out, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Get yeah, Out's a fantastic. God, that's yeah, amazing. The writing that's of that film is off the charts. Yes. So good. Um, all right, that brings us to definitive bad guy rankings here. I'm so mind blown by by the synopsis of Isn't that funny? people that were oh, considered. I, I, really, alone. I really thought that this was a Murphy project. Also, one other hilarious fact about this movie, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, which wow. is honestly hilarious because like the kind of movies that win that award, like Fargo, Goodwill Hunting, Get Out won uh, Best Screenplay. Yeah. You know, uh, um, obviously Parasite won last year. Like it's kind of hilarious when you think 
a buddy cop film was legitimately nominated for best original screenplay. That's awesome. One of the highest awards at the Academy Awards. I think the soundtrack won some awards too throughout awards season. It had to have. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So definitive bad guy rankings. We're looking for, we're looking for just how despicable the bad guy was. We're looking for how iconic the bad guy was. Yep. And just how memorable the bad guy was. The definitive bad guy rankings to this point. Number one, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Number two, Michael Myers from Halloween. Number three, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Number four, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. And number five, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. At the bottom is the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, and the French drug lord from Bad Boys. How would you guys go about putting into context Victor Maitland here? All right. Immediate thought on Victor Maitland is this. I think he's a good bad guy. Yeah. The accent's great, but in in the way that we have now started to do this and I think we've hit a sweet spot here. I don't think he I don't think he's really all that iconic. Yes. Yeah, he's I agree. he's definitely like he's good solid. He's a he's a good like if you're putting together a baseball lineup like he's a good solid like a number 6 hitter, you know. <laughs> yep. He's, yeah, in, he's for sure in your lineup, but he's definitely not your cleanup guy. He's not your leadoff guy. He's not super dynamic. He's evil. And we don't talk about him much. Yeah, you talk about the three buddy Michael cops. Myers you talk about. Is but he, I'm, but CJ Crown? Yeah. Is he CJ Crown? He's a little bit better than that. Yeah, he's a little, he's bit better. Yeah. A little upset than CJ Crown? He might be Jonathan Scope, though. Okay. Well, let but, me go through some of the other ones <laughs> here. <laughs> I love these. So Good he's arm. for sure below Cobra Kai. Mr. Joshua yeah. from Lethal Weapon. I think he's for sure below Ivan Drago, who's oh, yeah. iconic. Yes. Yep. And then you start to get it. So now we're like sort of to the fringe of the top 10 here. We're talking the Russian mobsters from John Wick. I think he's in that category. Like not super iconic, but great but foreign, mm-hmm. foreign highbrow rich. He did a really good job too. Yep. And uh, Dennis Hopper from Speed, Bodie from Point Break, Dom from Fast and the Furious, uh, Hertz from Shoot 'em Up, Paul Giamatti from Shoot 'em Up. Lord Humongous from Mad Max 2. He's got to be above Lord Humongous to me from Mad Max 2. Yep. I would kind of put him in that Russian, like right around Russian mobsters and... Giamatti, I think. I think would be the floor. Okay. Of that. So he's he's right in there with like Dennis Hopper from Speed, Bodie from Point Break, yes. and Dom from Fast and the Furious. Yes. I agree. That's perfect. Yeah. Somewhere right in there. Uh-huh. I'm going to put him uh, I'm gonna put him behind Dom. Okay. Okay. I think Dom is more That's iconic. Fair. Than That's that. fair. Yes. Sure. So, uh, so there we go. So he's, uh-huh. he's just outside of our top 10. And that brings us to the definitive 1 through 10 ranking system here. Die Hard and Halloween at the top of our list. Both of those were a perfect 10. The uh, composite score. Taken, a 9.5. John Wick, a 9.3. Commando, a 9.2. Everything else is below a 9. The worst movies we have reviewed to this point are Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, Wanted, Rambo 3, and Indiana did, Jones and the Temple of Doom. Did you guys see who loves Bloodsport, thinks it's fantastic, and had his son cut it down for him to approximately, I believe, about a half hour or so? Uh, the president of the United States. Donald Trump loves Bloodsport. When did he say this? Uh, he told somebody this on, or actually a journalist a while back followed him. Why would you need to cut down Bloodsport, by the way? Because he wanted the action scenes and nothing else. Um, <laughs> he was, I'm not joking, Phil. He, Very unbranded. He, he had a journalist shadowing him, I think, on an airplane, okay? And he took out he took out his counsel to watch Bloodsport and basically said, this is the greatest film. Jean-Claude Van Damme is fantastic. Wow. And his son had cut it down to, I want to say, 35 
minutes or so, and it was just all the action scenes. That's pretty amazing. So you, you know have found, but I'm saying, Phil, you found a kin spirit. I was going to say, I've been critical at times of our president the last few years. I got to say, our love for blood sport might be Good the thing. That, blood uh, sport, blood sport for for him, and and Creed is supposedly going to get back together for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> well, I ain't just the Kirk. world is coming back together. <laughs> People think we got problems. We don't got problems. I'm here for the Creed reunion. Creed I'm is right the there drummer, with Kirk Cousins. The drummer, man. I guess, uh, has yeah. agreed to rejoin Creed. Well, and, I ain't just Kirk. And we might have Creed back together. <laughs> uh, so, all right, sorry. So, blood sport is. An amazing movie, but you guys actually it was Jonathan and Rami in that movie too. Didn't like it either. Don't so, so Judd, one through ten. Okay. Where, where are you putting Beverly Hills Cop? I'm going to explain this um, by saying, for again, for our purposes and how this film unfolded, and and yes, it's got flaws, but it's a comedy, largely buddy cop film, which at the time did things I think writing wise that hadn't been done, and it did it pretty damn well. I'm going to give it a very, very solid eight and a half. Okay. So I'm not going 10, not a nine, but I do think that, that the execution of this film was really, really pretty solid. Okay. I think an eight and a half is very fair. Dex? All right. I am going to give this film a nine. I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. And even though Judd brings up a good point, it's, it is more, it teeters on comedy more than it is our traditional cheesy actionness that it, it being in the 80s helps the soundtrack helps the lack of the iconic bad guy doesn't make this a 10 but i thoroughly just enjoyed this movie and it's actually why it dovetails perfectly into my next pick that we're going to announce here after we do our rankings um but i give this a solid nine out of ten i thoroughly enjoyed this movie it was my first time watching it eddie murphy is great it's a nine out of ten so i give it a 9.5 i wanted to give it a 10 but wow, I think when you, you when you look at the other tens, and by the way, a nine point five with the eight point five and the nine means the nine is the is the score for this movie. So it puts it just outside our top five. So Die Hard, Halloween, Taken, John Wick, Commando, and Beverly Hills Cop. So it's it's one of the best movies we have reviewed. And the only reason why I didn't give it a ten is because I looked at the other tens, Die Hard and Halloween, and Declan kind of said it. Die Hard and Halloween have two of the most iconic yeah. bad guys we've seen. Yeah. And um, and Beverly Hills Cop, that's really the only missing ingredient to make it a 10 is like, does it have a, a super iconic bad guy as a good bad guy? But the other ones like Die Hard, Halloween, you've got these, you have iconic good guys in this movie. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis's career blew up after this was over and uh, and Bruce Willis's career blew up after this. So I just, that's my only ding on this movie. It's a nine. Question um, off that point, Phil. Do you guys think that... Die Hard looked at at Beverly Hills Cop and the bad guy and actually perfected it because the it's the yeah. accent it's guys that look not identical Get but similar my detonator but it's sort of like they they looked at that film and said that was really good yeah and the bad guy's really good but he's not this bad guy yeah you could be right like how can we man that's a great movie how can we bring it to one extra level and there was enough and the there, does it there was some comedy uh, there's more comedy in this than in die hard but die hard did just enough comedy and to make it yes. light right yes so all right so the way we're doing this as of last week we are giving so all three of us are nominating a movie and then we're also taking nominations from listeners and we have a list so if you want to be part of this and you want to get your your uh nominations in and we can we might get to a point where we just include more than one listener nomination too but we just want we want listeners to nominate movies 
So I have picked uh, one from the bin on behalf of listeners. I've also picked one on behalf of myself. And then you guys are each going to throw one out. Mm-hmm. And so we'll put four movies up here in a second. And we'll put it up for vote on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. And then you can you can uh, pick which movie we review for next Friday's Action Movie Rewind. Let's start with a listener nomination here from okay. Andrew S. Under Siege, he throws out. Oh. Steven Seagal, we're right? Gonna, we're going to have two Seagal films on the Oh, on my the God. Oh wow. Should I take this off then? Or should no, we leave two cigars? No, okay. Leave them on. Okay, cool. I think it's perfect. All right. Uh, let's go Judd, Dax, and then I'll round it up. My nominee for this week is, I believe it's a 1988-ish uh, Seagal film or so, where, again, he's a cop. This time, not in Brooklyn, but Chicago, above the law. <laughs> above the law, because Steven Seagal is always above the law. And wearing super uncomfortably tight jeans. The only thing worse than death is anticipation of death. <laughs> Don't forget that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dex, what is your... And by the way, we have, like the movies that we've nominated in previous weeks... We can bring them back. Like, I don't know if sure. we want, if you want to go back to back, like if you want to throw a Knight's Tale out again, yeah. that one did pretty well early in the polls, but not all the, not yeah. all the mail-in not, ballots not were in yet. Because yeah. that, the teaser. darn film told people to go to the, the polls and then the rest <laughs> of the people, right. they all voted by mail. All right. So my pick, I think it actually dovetails Prepper from Beverly Hills Cop because it's very similar in the ways they shoot this. And this is an action film confirmed by numerous outlets. Pineapple Express in 2008. Okay. With Seth Rogen and James Franco. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And even though it is a very much a stoner film, that is kind of the first premise, there is a, it's mo- it is an action film because, the, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there is a murder that, and not spoiling anything, there's a murder that takes place, and that's basically the movie. I have not seen Pineapple Express. I, I know people love it. It's a it's a hilarious film. I we, think Franco got nominated for an actor for this one. Wow. It's a it's a hilarious film. Danny McBride, Gary Cole, we'll, uh, Rosie Perez. We'll put it up. So real quick, I don't think of it as an action movie. What like what is the confirmation that it's an action movie? Uh according to Wikipedia and Rotten Tomatoes, it is it has action film as the genre of the movie. Okay. Fair enough. And then the movie I'm throwing out is another yeah. old time classic, Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah, somebody threw that out. Otherwise known as the arm wrestling movie from the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, you're unbelievable. Okay. He's he's a truck driver who also arm wrestles. (laughs) And it's Sylvester Stallone. Beverly Hills Cop (laughs) with Sly Stallone. I cannot get my head around this. I rewrote the whole thing. We should play a game at some point on this segment where we just go through and, like, put Sylvester Stallone in different movies. We should just go down this list. Let me just real quick. All right, Sylvester Stallone in Top Gun instead of... Tom Cruise. He kills people, right? He kill he's he would have to like kill a lot of people in Top Gun. How about Sylvester Stallone in Bad Boys with Will Smith? Mm. Oh, totally see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably watch it. Oh yeah. Oh, I'd watch it for sure. Okay, Sylvester Stallone as James Bond in Casino Royale. Okay, that one I'm not gonna yep. that would nope. be difficult. Can't do it. Noah, uh, the name's Bond. Noah. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> You try. Oh, man. Uh, all right. That's a wrap on Action Movie Rewind oh here. We have uh, we have anointed another top, well, top. I was going to say top five, uh, top six action movie here in Beverly Hills Cop And for next week, you can vote at Phil Mackey on Twitter, <laughs> Under Siege, Pineapple Express, Over the Top, 
and above the law. I need $5,000, not $2,000 thing, man. Don't do this to me. Look, don't be unreasonable. You're not dealing with Johnny Bananas. Come on. Yeah, no, I, I, I know I deal with Johnny Bananas, but can I have my money? You, no, look, can I say it slow for you? Look, I need $5,000. Read my lips. $5,000 is what I need. I can't look, do nothing with that. I, I don't got, smoke I like a strike. I, I smoke to. king size king. I, I can't make a price ah. to Patrick Royce. Uh, what are your thoughts on the big news of the day that came out this morning, Pat? The news that swept across the United States. Alex Cora, the new manager of the Boston Red Sox once again. Well, I'm in favor of that, but first let me say, uh, did we ever investigate the possibility that K-Fans stole the election? Did we ever, that they stole the ratings book that we actually had the votes. These were illegal votes they were getting. Did I feel like because been... we've been an AM station and they've been yes. FM for a long time that maybe <laughs> we were using some sort of antiquated uh, <laughs> ratings technology. And they were using mail-ins. That was the problem. Was that the problem? <laughs> they were using mail-ins and we were doing, just dropping them off like we are. We were, stand, we were standing in line and they were doing mail-ins. <laughs> That was the problem. Man. Yeah. yeah. Sports the radio. The book was stolen from us. <laughs> yes. So Alex Cora, yes, I like the guy a lot, you know, just from a few times in spring training being over there. It's funny that, you know, 2019, I went over to his opening day press conference. The only question being asked was, can you repeat? That's the only thing. Can can you beat this jinx of nobody's repeated for ten years, right? Who was no, who's the last team? The Yankees. Yankees, right? I think so. Twenty years it been, or what? Whenever it had been, a long time. And that was the only question being asked. And I mean, he's got personality. He answers questions. The players seem to like him, but apparently he was so organized that he could be the lead organizer of the cheating scandal, right? That's that's the accusation, but. Do you think this was an absolute layup when they fired uh, Renicky or because uh, their people are saying they let Heim Blue make the decision and it came down to him or Sam Fold and uh, they went down and met Cora. Is he Puerto Rican? I think he's Puerto Rican. Yes. They went down and met him in the homeland and, uh, you know, he convinced everybody that he was, he'll do a very good job of, of uh, being uh, expressing his sorrow for the what happened in Houston and that he's a pretty sharp dude. I think he's a good hire for them. Patrick, t- today is the day at three o'clock. Baseball should declare Pete Rose is going to be the third base coach for the, the Reds. All is forgiven because if you're just going to have a news dump. Let's have the ultimate news dump and let Pete Rose back into baseball today. No one will talk about it. I, I think that's uh, that that could be happening. I don't know. Pete's Pete's got to be eighty now, though, right? I don't know if he's. Uh, last time I saw him, he didn't look that good. Oh, so really? I, I, I don't know, but uh, it's uh, it's been an eventful two days, man. I got a headache. It's, it's, you still do? Yeah. How are that's you? That's not gone have yet. You, what's what? What is your experience? But have you been staying up late and watching coverage? Are you trying to ignore it? What's your? Well, I do. I'll take. I'll take an hour and watch something, you know, and then come back and see if they. They're very, as Judd said yesterday, they got a worse time of game problem than baseball. Uh, oh, pace of election sucks. They all. 
I think all these people in Nevada went to the casino, right, for a couple of days. And, yeah, uh, like Nevada, like, just gave their first update an hour ago in, like, two days or something. It's like, what do yeah. you guys do? You only have a million ballots to count. for. I can Like, Pennsylvania's got seven million ballots or something. What are you guys doing? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're humping it, man. They're doing good. I did find the most interesting thing I heard today is those bad people in Philadelphia, right? And we, we call them bad people and and Philadelphia. There's a lot of bad people in Philadelphia and Detroit. That's not too racial. But uh, anyway, Don. Atlanta, but, too. A lot of bad people in Atlanta, yeah, too. Yeah, a lot of bad people there. But did you – he received a higher percentage of the votes in Philadelphia County than he did last time when he won. Yeah. But we're supposed to be shocked that he's not receiving any votes in Philadelphia County. Did anybody – notice that so anyway you know uh yeah it's been it's been eventful but uh it's 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 not gonna end here for a while that's for sure the yeah. Biden, the best thing biden can do is just to keep it calm right he's trying <laughs> he's trying to yeah. try but yeah. and but trump's got to get some sleep man someone's got got to tell oh, donnie get donnie you got to get some sleep I think they got to give him this sedative intravenously, too. You can't count on pills. You just got to knock them out. They should, you know, like <laughs> you're going horse. in for surgery, right? And they got to knock you out. When I had my gallbladder surgery, there was a guy that gave me the, you know, that uh, put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it to 98. You know, <laughs> countdown from 100. I didn't get to 98. My Fat ass was out like a rock. <laughs> we got to get that guy to go see the the Don and put him to sleep for about two days, and, and have him wake up and find out it isn't a nightmare. But uh, do you think it is amazing? It is America's greatest sport, isn't it? Oh my the gosh! Election is America's greatest sport. Here's my no theory, doubt. Pat. I think this is what this is what I think is going to happen. I, and I don't know. I, I, I I'm I'm going to assume that that uh, the counts hold up and there's a change of presidency. And I think Donald Trump is going to find two or three smart digital media people or, you know, maybe they're established digital media people, whatever. And he's going to create some sort of digital media network, some sort of subscription platform. Can he if, if he can get even like 20 million of his base to pay 10 bucks a month for some online media platform, if you want to find him for two hours every day and people that he puts on that platform, he could literally bring in like two or three billion dollars a year in well, just a media hour. That, he could pay off that two hundred and eighty five million he stiffed those people with that he didn't that he just they just said, Yeah, we'll never collect from him anyway, we'll really route it off. I everybody thinks he's gonna be this amazing presence. Uh I, I think he'll fade away. Now now he might he'll still have you're right, he could still do right wing crazed hate talk and uh and make a lot of money but i i think as a, as a national politician he's gonna fade away do you think he runs but do you think he runs again in 24 no, no. as a fellow 75 year old fat ass uh, <laughs> you know basically he and i are the same that's guy. the party two big, two big fat asses i'm not feeling like i i can still write a sports column i don't feel like i have the energy to write run for president and neither does he the fa party the fat ass party of america (laughs) that's right (laughs) yes i mean i know a lot about him as you know that as i've always said that everybody says he's up tweeting at 4 a.m he works so hard no he's getting up to urinate like the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) 
That's so true. He's like, that's why he turns on TV. He's getting up to relieve himself. That's why I know exactly who this guy is. I live the same life. In a, Do you in tweet a, then? I don't think I ever tweeted that. You should start. No, no, no. At four, start tweeting. He does. Well, I do once in a while. Last night, I uh, I, I had a couple one thirty a.m. tweets once in a while, but uh, you know, it's this idea that oh man, he's following the news. You know what? I also feel like he's really not not doing much as far as the governing us right now. I, I feel like his focus has gotten off the job a little bit here, don't you? I don't, you know. If I was Iran right now, I'd do anything I wanted to. Although he might be in a bad mood, so and that was that was one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen yesterday. The, as I said, the angry Don is a lot easier to take than the morose Don. <laughs> what the hell was that? And somebody had somebody had written a statement, and he was essentially just reading the statement that the he lawyers. read. You talking about? Well, he came out and rattled off. All, oh, when he came out to accuse everybody of stealing the election yesterday, yeah. but he was a, it, he's usually got an edge to him. And this was just down in the dumps. Yeah. You know, it was, it was amazing. The morose Don is a frightening fellow. Pat, we have to so, play. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was going to play. I was going to play. Uh, we, we, Everson Griffin feels shaded and we have to play a clip oh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. Play that. Okay. I miss guys. I miss Harrison. I miss Anthony. I miss EK. I miss, I miss Zimmer. So when Zimmer said that about that, I'm a good player. All right. We're going to see who's a good player on Sunday. All right. That's what I got for him. And I'll be looking. I'm just a good player. All right. He got a good player coming his way. He, he got it. Okay. He going to see on Sunday what he got coming for him. But you gonna, they're going to put some respect on my name. He going to put respect on my name. That's all I'm saying. Like, he, he, just, he just wasn't a good coach to me. He was a great coach. He, he, he helped me improve. He helped me grow. So I, 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 I don't ever talk bad about people. So for him to call me a good player, all right. I got something for him on Sunday. Whiteboard material. What? How could that be? How could that? I he's, some some of these guys are nuts, and he's one of them. That was I heard the the uh, Zimmer clip. It was yeah, he's a good player. I mean, for Zim, that's that's praise, right? Yes, that's exactly I mean, right. It's not he was, you know, he, it's not like he said, "I'm glad we got rid of him." Right? You know, he's the guy that <laughs> want he wanted to keep him. They couldn't do it financially, but to say, "Yeah, he's a good player." What? What the hell? You know, uh, I, I I couldn't believe that. Uh, I guess I can believe it. I've been around athletes enough, and and you know what this does? This again demonstrates, while in his own unique way, Sid was a genius. As I tell you, I saw seven or eight hundred notes that uh, Terry Ferris sent the people for Sid after being in his column. And you got to think he did this himself for like 50, 60 years. And there were two themes. You're the greatest or you got screwed. Those were the two uh, things that he sent to athletes and coaches. And sometimes you were the greatest and got screwed, which was really that meant something. But he was a genius. There's no better way to get to athletes. To, and this is, this is Griffin saying, I got short chains because he only called me a good player. That's uh, it's unbelievable what 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 he can get worked up about. Oh, absolutely! I don't think he's yes. dealing. I've never felt okay. I'll I'll say it. I never thought Everson was dealing from a full deck. Remember when we tried to have him on the radio as a guest, a weekly guest? Yes. 
uh, he and I, us, us fellas from Murray County and from from uh, L.A., we, we just weren't communicating. We we didn't really, we had a hard time getting on the same wavelength, that's for sure. I remember when he signed, he signed a big contract, and I think I was doing like a six to seven hour after you and I got done from four to six. And he came on the show like the day that he signed this big contract, but he came on, you had left for, because you were done at six. And so I, I think he, I think I had the first interview with him after he signed his big life-changing contract, and it was like, he, it didn't matter that it didn't matter who he didn't care who he was talking to or anything. He just literally spent seven minutes like crying on the phone and like I just <laughs> oh yeah that's you him. know I just like yeah you know, my family and all this it yep. was a, it was a very long award speech and everything. He seems like a really good guy who definitely has had uh, how, some how some issues. How good was he yeah. the last? How good was he the last couple of years? Eight eight back? sacks. Last year, so not bad. He did. Not great, back. but yeah, yeah, not bad. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I was surprised. That he had eight sacks last year, and that's when he took his break, too, right? No, uh, no, that was two years ago. That was two years yep. ago yep. when he had his look the breakdown difficulties. So. Yeah. Well, I'm full of diet coke, guys. I'm sorry, but uh, better than being full of just coke. That. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was going to be full of gin the other night. <laughs> that is close as you've you've come in uh, thirty plus years. No, I was joking. I'm not going to drink. It's too hard to work, man. <laughs> Tell me about just it. Think, I can't sleep now. Just think if I oh no had to wake up with a no, hangover it, every day. Oh yeah, it, it helps you sleep. You it's the next sleep, day fine. that's difficult. Yes, yeah. yes, I can yes, confirm yes. that. But I'm working today. That, that uh, you know what's made. I think the reason that I've even with my lousy physical condition and lack of exercise i think the reason i have managed to maintain my health is that healthy breakfast i always had when i was drinking four excedrin and a huge bottle of straight coke not diet coke real coke oh, <laughs> I think, oh. I think and then once in a while a nice little shot of Kaopectic to keep the stomach <laughs> you know it was uh it was, that was a hell of a breakfast yeah, De- trying to try this, this on what Sunday. Was, you said four, four real, what? Four Excedrin. Four Excedrin. Real four Coke. Coke. Twenty ounce. Di- a, Coke. a real Coke. Oh man, Coke. yeah. That, that was before. You know, hell, that's in the seventies. We didn't. I, I think the only one out was Tab then, right? The only one yeah, I think you're. Like I think you're probably right, but that is like harsh. Tab. Yeah. Okay. Well, when I went through a treatment in '81. Uh, I was on the Pepsi light by then, and every time somebody said they were going to come and visit me, I said, bring a 12-pack. <laughs> Amazing. But then Pepsi light, they stopped making it because it had that uh, cancer-causing stuff in it. Saccharin? Saccharin, Saccharin yeah. yeah. So, okay. That was a problem. Well, Pat, we appreciate the health tips, and uh, we hope you have a good weekend. Get some we'll rest, Royce. We'll again later. Bye. Go for Illinois. Why do they got to win that game, don't they? Yes. I mean, I'm I'm done making go for predictions after watching that defense. If, if they don't, then then I think the goodwill of 2019 is largely gone any, within three. But games. Illinois was because of COVID was down to their fourth quarter. Yeah, Are they, they still do we know? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Lobby Wisconsin's Lobby. done basically. Lobby is inter- is interested in being the uh, Illinois football coaches. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what he's got, Pat? He's got the great beard, just like me. It's all great. I know, like Letterman. You know, look at this thing. Look at mine. It's all gray. I, I should sign off here, but what's with Letterman? What is that? Okay, did you guys? So Letterman, there's a, there's a, there's a few new episodes out on Netflix. So Letterman now weighs like seventy five pounds, and it's half beard, 
and he has yellow wooden teeth, basically, like George Washington. Yeah, he's, he's hey, very good. Hey, if you're when you're finding Letterman right next to it on the uh, on the screen up there is Norm Macdonald. Yeah, a stand-up thing from about six, seven years ago. That is, the first twenty minutes are unbelievable. <laughs> In we'll watch that this weekend. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Definitely putting I'm it on the list. Thinking about it. Love I recommend it Norm. Me too. Awesome. All right, Pat. We'll talk to you later. All right. right. Uh, Wrap with Royce every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday here, and also Royce Unchained with Judd on Mondays on its own podcast feed, and also you can find it on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. We'll see you guys for Vikings Vent Line over on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, youtube.com slash purple daily podcast on Sunday.